You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Global Trade This Week. I'm Pete Mento, and with me is my dear friend and co-host, Doug Draper. Doug, how's it going? Pete, uh, I'm not as excited as you are, but it's Monday. I'm in Colorado. It's sunny. And um, how do we always talk about weather? I don't know. What, I just default to weather every it's time you and I get together. We're going to talk so. about hip replacements and 401ks next. Just yeah. And, 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 and lo- losing hair. But anyway, it's been good. It's a nice weekend. And um, yeah, I think nothing really of substance has happened to me in the last seven days, which is good. So, yeah, it is good, isn't it? Right. It's great. (laughs) It is. It is. I don't have any I don't have any crazy stories of my uh, new uh, new home up in Steamboat, which is good. It means money's not being poured out of my back pocket. Uh, (laughs) So. So, yeah, things are good. Good, buddy. Good. Where where does this uh, your background every time we get together changes? So where are you? Where does this podcast find you today? I am in the Indianapolis office of DSV. Some of my favorite people in the company work here. They're very nice people. And I will be here for the next four days doing sales calls. So as soon as I'm done here, I have to get out of the office and do two sales calls. And then I'm driving all over Indiana doing sales calls this week. So I'm going to Elkhart. Never been to Elkhart going to Fort Wayne. Haven't been there in a long time. So I'm excited to uh, go out and visit with customers and and potential customers and see what I can do about bringing them over. Nice. Very cool. Very well, good. I kicked off the show, Doug. So that means right. that you get to go first. So what's going on, pal? Gotcha. Well, this one, we can kind of, you know, tag team a little bit on this topic, um, but it's um, kind of weird. So my topic is related to um, China to the U.S. container volumes uh, seem to be up despite um, the economic instability in, um, in China, right? So there's the real estate implosion that we've spoken about, Evergrande liquidation. I don't know if you're a 60 Minutes guy at all, but uh, they interviewed the ambassador to China yesterday. I watched 60 Minutes like twice a year, and I happened to catch that <laughs> one last night. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah, I, I record it so I can watch it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, that ambassador, I, I can't remember his name, but he seems like a pretty, uh, pretty legit guy. But my whole point is that he made mention of the uh, Evergrande liquidation, and they did this whole thing out there as far as the number of, of apartments that have just been abandoned. It's, it, it, it's crazy. So you got this real estate implosion. You got high unemployment that we've kind of heard about. Their stock market's in, in, the, in decline. But the ocean container inbound business from what i read this morning on a freightways um uh uh, article was that it's higher than it's been since may of 2022 which was like uh you know pandemic uh central at that time so it's just it's just weird that um you know i almost said it's like the cookie monster effect right and i take this from you as far as cookie monster just gobbling up uh and consuming as much as he as he possible so now that inventories have been burned off, interest rates are somewhat stable. Seems like our economy is starting to, to level off. Um, but the economic and political landscape um, hasn't seemed to jive. So it's almost like this imports are increasing, but the instability specifically to that 60 minutes thing that we spoke about 
um, it is just, it, it's as instable as it's been in many, many years. So it's like this, it's this weird, uh, I, you know, I, yin and yang may not be the right, because that means more complementary, but it's this weird situation that we're in, that the cookie monster effect is happening. Everything's been kind of right-sized here in the United States. There's so much instability economically, politically, uh, militarily, um, but yet we're still saying we need to buy, buy, buy from, from China. And it's kind of like the infrastructure's there already. Yes, people are looking to, to uh, alternative sourcing strategies, and that is happening. We've seen a lot of uh, documented processes where people are nearshoring or friendshoring. Um, but still, when push comes to shove and, and you need to gobble up and the consumer here in the United States, where do you go? You go to where infrastructure already exists. You go to where uh, prices are, uh, are are affordable. And I think the uh, the Timu and um, uh, Xi'an appetite um, is part of that. People just want things now. And it was funny. Um, my wife, my last thing on this, Pete, then I'll kick it over to you. So my wife bought a swimsuit, right? It's getting close to the springtime and, you know, got to do a swimsuit. And she didn't quite work out. She wanted to return it. She couldn't find the receipt. Uh, it just came in a bag. And she kind of found this email because she ordered it a while back. And they replied via text message. They didn't reply uh, in an email. It's very informal, a lot of broken English. And they pretty much said, just keep it. We'll give you 20% off your next purchase. Um, which speaks to the fact that returning it because nobody's going to return it to China because that's exactly where it came from directly. Right. So anyway, my whole point here, Pete, is there's so much instability in China, but yet volumes are up. People are consuming. Everything's been right sized here in the United States and it just doesn't seem to jive. Right. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just an observation from my part. That's a, that's an excellent observation. The, I, I heard a, uh, I guess it's a theory, right? And I, I've read a couple of articles about it now. With deflation so bad in China and with unemployment and businesses struggling so much, they've been just dropping prices as, as hard as they can to try to entice people to get into production, to buy things. They're saying, well, you know, you have enough, but look at these prices. Better get it while the getting's good before things get better on consumables that you should put into inventory that you might use in the future. That's not going to be enough to make up for the difference that we're seeing here. The, the vast amount of that really just has to do with the fact that people in America are still buying a bunch of stuff. So consumer confidence is pretty high right now. And it's really a function more of our, our faith in the current market and the fact that Americans are working and they have disposable income, even with inflation. Mm -hmm. And with regards to your return um, issue, it's pretty common, right? People say, don't don't bother sending it back to us. Just keep it because it would cost them more to ship it back and it would just take away all their profits. And most people aren't going to use that 20 percent off going forward. So yeah. it, it is pretty common. Um, they end up in, you know, some goodwill uh, thrift store rather than being worn or given to some friend of yours who it might fit or that might like it rather than just shipping it back. So that's pretty yeah. common, man. But I'll be watching those container rates and watching the volumes pretty closely over the course of the next quarter in particular. Now that now we're going to start seeing the numbers for Chinese New Year, because uh, I think it's going to be consistent with what you said. I think it's going to be a pretty consistent market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll wait and see. All Nobody. right. What, what's your first stab? What's your first go at it? Well, um, being chicken little, 
and telling the universe that it's only a matter of time before we have a major cyber attack. Boy, did I have a weird week last week. Um, there's a couple of things that happened. You know, we had an FBI report that came out two weeks ago that explained the, um, the, the Chinese attacks or attempted attacks on infrastructure. And then we had a huge AT&T issue where AT&T, let's be clear about this, is saying it was not a hack, that it was an internal software issue. And you know, that's what they're saying. So that's what I'm going to believe. But to me, when I start seeing that there's hundreds of thousands, when it was all said and done, Americans that were unable to use their cell phone, it was bedlam. Hmm. It was chaos. You know, and, and then think about the things that affects when your phone's not working, you can't use Uber and Lyft. When your phone's not working, right, you can't you can't access all of the applications that you use on a daily basis to make your life easier. When your phone's not working, I wonder if your Tesla will still start. Hmm. It's, it's issues like this that really got my attention. And it wasn't that big of a service issue when you look at the number of people. It's a big service issue for AT&T. And they're being kind. They're offering a $5 refund because that's yeah, I saw that. Yeah. a day's worth of service would cost. But it goes into that bigger conversation about how America would manage in the event of a real cyber breakdown. And we had another report come out last week. The United States is going to be replacing all of our port infrastructure in the form of, of cranes where they were purchased from China and using a particular system because it's been determined that it's just not something we'd be comfortable with if we went to war with China. They're just sitting there ready for the taking. So you're talking about, uh, you know, probably $100 billion when all is done to replace all these cranes with companies that are friendly to the United States. Problem is, nearly every crane in the world works off of the same Chinese operating system. So mm -hmm. they may have to come up with their own operating system to manage it. Doug, I, the conspiracy theorist in me, when it happened last week, I immediately thought this is a test. This is a test to see what would happen. And um, I'm looking forward to the post-incident report with AT&T to understand it. Um, but this is the level of, of dependency that Americans have on technology. Take it away from us, our country falls apart. Yeah, yeah. good point. Um, yeah, the, the one thing you said that made me laugh was uh, the post report, what'd you say? <laughs> you wanna see what you, AT&T. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, anyway, that, that's just a funny comment that you made. Post incident report, why? You yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'll be a good read for sure. Okay. So. All, All right. right. Well, that brings us to halftime, buddy. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I like this one, man. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, morning of, I'm like, what's out there in the world that's um, that's interesting that we can bring to the halftime? Because it's pretty much whatever you and I want to talk about uh, uh, unrelated to, to our industry. So I saw this one. I literally laughed out loud, and I probably will do the same thing as I'm reading these because it is so awesome. So in St. Augustine, Florida, this past weekend, they had the Florida Man Games, which is essentially where they poke fun at the state's rep reputation for like bizarre stories that relate to booze and fights and guns. And, um, you know, there was one quote that said the stupidity, this was from somebody that attended it, the stupidity uh, occur on the grandest, most spectacular scale. So here's what transpired and here's some of the events that happened at the uh, Florida Man Games this weekend. So first of all, every participant had to wear uh, tank top and uh, cut off jean shorts. They played the Star Spangled Banner on an electric guitar. And then whenever they were having all of the teams uh, parade out, um, 
the audience was encouraged to drink beer and, and yell uh, ex expletives at them. Um, so here's the first event. They had to eat a whole bunch of barbecue and chug a beer. That's not that big of a deal. This one just cracked me up. It was a theft simulation relay. So the competitors had to race while carrying bicycle, copper pipes, and catalytic converters. Um, there was another one where they had to run from actual sheriff deputies while they were jumping fences and other obstacles. And then there was a, a scramble. It was called a cash grab where they simulated a hurricane and threw a bunch of money in the air and everybody had to, to um, um, <laughs> yeah, try to catch money. And uh, one of the participants uh, was interviewed and they said that, you know, he said they're calling these events. I'm calling this a freaking Tuesday afternoon, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so just, yeah. I love it. You know, the, the thing is, like, if you Google, my kid sent it to me once, like, Florida man, and then you put in the date, right? So you could say Florida man, February 26, 20, and, uh, and it would come up with some outlandish story that, that just is not even any, anyway, it's just comical. So anyway. The Florida Man Games, you and I are going to have to get down there and do a live broadcast uh, on next year's event. I don't think I've ever wanted a field trip more, Doug. This seems like our kind of event. Um, <laughs> after you sent it this morning, I actually looked real quick on YouTube and the videos were hysterical. I yeah. guess one of the events was trying to throw a live gator through a drive through window. <laughs> um, I didn't see <laughs> this just This just seems like the kind of thing that we need to go to. I think that it would just be hours of content and uh, talk about embracing, you know, the haters. I just think it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that when they were running from the sheriffs, they were had, they had flip flops on. I, really I don't know. I don't know, but it's just, it, you know what? It's all good fun. They're making fun of their themselves and the stereotypes and, uh, Oh, the tickets were 45 bucks and they sold 5,000 tickets. Wow. Where did yeah. the money go? for bail? Yeah, I don't. There you go. We'll just say we'll just say it was for bail. Yeah, I would hope that it was. Yeah. Well, my halftime's a little bit different, buddy. Um, last week we had a bit of a of a sneaker drop, and you know that I'm a sneakerhead. You're aware of this, right? Yeah, yeah. Movie buff yeah. and sneakerhead. I love the sneakers, buddy. And um, Donald Trump dropped his shoes last week. And they are, um, they're pretty unattractive footwear. Let's just be honest. I mean, bright gold lame high tops um, with American flags on them. And then his, his low tops as well, the, um, the, the, low, the low rise sneakers, also very unattractive. But of course they sold out immediately. They, they sold out like crazy. I don't even know how many pairs they made, but it was almost as though the second that they dropped, people just ran out and bought them as fast as they could. Now, I'm not gonna talk about Trump necessarily, but I think every celebrity needs to do this. If there was a Charlie Sheen branded tennis shoe, I would buy it. If there was, um, you know, you name it, whatever, whatever celebrity is up against it right now, Lindsay Lohan, flip flops, I'm getting them, right? Like yeah. whatever they are, I think this is an excellent way to embrace the fact that the world is kind of making fun of you by coming out with your own footwear and making it yours. So uh, Doug, you're gonna run out and buy yourself some, uh, some Trump Air Force Ones? Uh no, and that has nothing to do one way or another with political beliefs. I'm not that big of a shoe. Well, I am kind of a shoe guy, but yeah, I don't. They got to look good. And those shoes were just tacky. And I think they made 3,000. 
and they sold out within minutes from what I understand. But yeah, it's a strange looking shoe, but you know what? There'll probably be something crazy like that that's going to come out in the next seven to eight months anyway. Now, when you bought him, Doug, you also get um, a bottle of his cologne, Victory Cologne, which has his head as the stopper. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's the best cologne, the greatest fragrance ever. Nothing better. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm thinking about buying some of that as, as gifts for certain friends of mine that would not appreciate it. Yeah. For holiday gifts. Yeah. Love it. Yes. That's crazy. Well, um, halftime always brought to us by Cap Logistics. Um, please give them a, a look at caplogistics.com. We can't thank them enough for the platform they give to us every single week. So um, I don't know. My, who kicks off the second part here? Is it me or you? you All you right. Do. So mine uh, is going into transportation logistics. I'm just going to pull up. You know, you go without notes. I go with notes here, Pete. So. Um, but I saw that Walmart is transitioning out of all the of the rail sector and um, all the assets that they had with um, their uh, 53 foot uh, boxes they put on the rail, right? So they're intermodal containers. So I didn't even realize this, but they had 14,000 intermodal containers that they actually um, had ownership of, and they're getting rid of those and they're selling them or transitioning them is the term to JB Hunt which happens to be another Arkansas-based company. And um, the financials weren't disclosed, so I don't know how they're, they're taking it over. But the thing that caught me on this, Pete, is during COVID, you and I spoke multiple times about the vertical integration that we saw during COVID. <clears throat> and we literally referred to it as owning the rails, no pun intended, um, where if you need to get stuff moved during COVID, let's just control it all, right? So you had these retailers and, and Amazon was in the play with, with uh, chartering vessels. Everybody wanted to own every aspect of the supply chain. Um, so Walmart just sold their intermodal boxes. And last week they just bought Vizio, right? Which seems to be more in line. So is there a shift from vertical integration that we saw during COVID back to let's refocus on our core business? The Walmart is a, is a key example. The other thing this does is it, um, bumps up their eco push, right? And you and I have spoken about if I was in the rail business, I would be jumping up and down so hard and raising my hand so high to talk about the uh, reduction in the carbon footprint that happens when you move things on rail versus uh, versus rubber wheels uh, and over the road. So I don't know, is this going to be a growing trend where companies are saying, forget it, COVID's behind us, we need to refocus on what our core competency is. And then is this abandonment that um, is my, uh, my comment happening too fast, right? They wanted to integrate to control. And now Walmart is an example of getting rid and shedding some of those assets and saying, we're going to focus on what we're good at, which is selling stuff in our big box and online. Uh, I don't know, man. What do you think about that? I think it's kind of a combination of all those things. I think that there may be some accounting moves here, right? Where... You could you could do very well on a on a, on a um, you know on, on your on your uh, spreadsheet if you dump a bunch of assets and try to make some money off of it after you've gotten what you wanted out of it before you completely depreciate them. I think that um, Walmart moves in such large volumes that their ability to sell these in a market right now they can probably get a hell of a lot for for what they're they're export for what they're shipping. These might not stay in the U.S. Remember that these intermodal containers are international. They could be used in a lot of other places. You know, of note today, the Walton, the Walt fan, Walton, Walton family, 
uh, Trust sold $1.5 billion worth of their shares in Walmart, which is nothing. They own like 45% of the company. And this, I think this is more of a trying to get it while the getting's good. And you've gotten the most you could out of your assets. So let's see what we can get now that they're not necessarily needed. Um, they, they control so much transportation and so much logistics. They're a market leader in all those things. This is probably a, a very calculated decision on what makes more sense, renting them and owning them, and then trying to make money off of it while the getting's good. So I think it's a combination of all the things you said, Doug. I don't think it's just one. But I'm not sure that it means that they're moving away from, from owning the rails. I think it's more likely what this is a, a, a good sign of is just intelligent business decisions on what they've got when it comes to their assets. But I guess we'll find out when the numbers come up. Yeah, we'll see what other companies are going to be doing along those lines. So, All right, bring us home, my friend. Well, I read a, a very learned, interesting article that was in the Financial Times that talked about the, the constant friction between a China who is doing as much as they can to subsidize certain businesses and an America who's trying to put tariffs in place to fight it. And it really comes down to this argument about how do we enforce all these things? You know, China's doing what they need to do to keep their, their government um, active in commerce and keep people busy and keep people employed. And the United States is doing everything they can to try to stop China from decimating our business here locally by importing such low cost goods. And really the, the gist of the argument philosophically is, do we need to come up with a way to enforce global trade differently? Has the method that we've done it for years through the World Trade Organization, um, does there need to be a, a revamp of all of it, given how large these two economies are and how trade is being used in a very strategic way, almost like economic warfare? And I would say yes. I think we need to start considering ways for us to enforce global trade and enforce uh, defectors in global trade in a way that we're actually going to be able to get them to come to heel for what they've done. The United States could very easily put that 60% tariff on everything imported that President Trump's talked about. And it would have a dire effect, in my opinion, on the global economy, not just the United States. And China can continue to just dump money into production uh, because people really don't hold them to task for doing it. And that's because the current regime of enforcement maybe isn't as effective as it could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. It kind of goes to the, uh, again, I can't think of the right, not di dichotomy, but you know, all these sanctions and stuff, and we're going to drop, you know, potentially additional tariffs, depending on how, what happens in November, but yet people are consuming. And if I have to make a widget and set up my infrastructure in another country or it exists already, and you can just, you know, plug and play, Coming out of China, I mean, every single time that that's gonna that's gonna work if your if your ultimate goal is is uh, a financial angle on it. So I don't know. That'll be interesting, and I think it'll be pretty stable for uh, until the election. Everything just kind of halts. Everything slows down on election year. So we, yeah, we then, shall see. Then we'll see some crazy stuff post election, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're gonna continue to lean more political as things go on, which we said we wouldn't do, Pete. So we got to check ourselves whenever, uh, when we no come politics, up with our weekly topic. No politics, no politics. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us uh, in Indianapolis, Pete. Uh, as always, the uh, you're traveling around the country and we make time every week to bring this show to our audience. And we want to thank everybody for listening. We want to thank uh, Keenan uh, for making it happen on the other side. And uh, again, as always, thanks for listening and enjoying. If you have any comments about our shows, any suggested topics, just uh, pop it out there when these things go 
out into uh, into the world. So, Pete, good to see you, my friend. Everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next week on another edition of Global Trade This Week. Take care. Bye. Later. Bye.